<laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number nine of the RIP podcast. We hope, as usual, you've had a very, very good week. And uh, as usual, I am joined by Barnaby and the returning Christoph. As you may remember, he wasn't with us last week, but he's uh, he's had his COVID jab. He's been microchipped and he's now back at full capacity. Uh, whether or not he's got, you know, people spying on him or not, who knows. But uh, this week on the show, we are going to be looking at new albums from Chevelle, uh, A Day to Remember, as well as Demon Hunter. And uh, Slated and Celebrated makes its... Uh, makes its triumphant return with none other than Flint, Michigan's King 810 with their debut records, Memoirs of a Murderer. But until we get to all of that, how has your week been, guys? Cracking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just waiting to make sure we didn't interrupt each other. Yeah, same. And then it just became a silent Mexican standoff. I know. Is, uh, is it? Have you each had a bad? Like, is it that bad for you that you don't even have an answer? But uh, all right, Barney. What about you, mate? How's your week been? Uh, same routine as usual, but other than that, not too bad. Just work, sleep, listen to music, repeat, play guitar, the usual. Nice, nice. And what about you, Christoph? It's been cracking. I've been more creative. This microchip has clearly downloaded like inspiration back into my brain. So, yeah, yeah. killing the game, getting ready to go back to work. Oh yeah, of course. It's oh, uh, fuck you. Tomorrow, right? Yeah. Uh, well, no, some, no mon- Monday. Oh shit! Yeah, it's Saturday today, isn't it? Fuck. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 I forgot about that. That's the uh, yeah the return of uh, of schools. Nice. Are you excited to be back? Do you know what? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. normally you ne- you think you never want to go back to work, but fuck me, you spend fucking four months cooped up in your house in minus degrees with rain every day. And yeah, just getting out. I went in the other day and I was like, oh, human fucking contact. This is incredible. <laughs> so Nice. Yeah, I I know what you mean. Like <clears throat> I had that a lot when like when you have like big chunks of time off work, especially it's like it's it's great and you always look forward to it. But I think by the time you get to the end of it, you just kind of like you're a bit bored because you run out of shit to do. Whereas at least with yes. work, you can kind of build a routine. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Very good. Well, uh, that's What's I've had an all right friend? week, mate. It's been that's... all right. I've uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, been doing a lot of exercise recently, you know. I think that this whole uh, roadmap thing has kind of put a spring in a lot of people's steps in terms of like you know getting uh, shaking off the fucking COVID lard and kind of you know getting ready for uh, uh, hopefully a relatively normal summer. But you know, even if you do come to the end of uh, june whenever it is we're supposed to be back and you know it's still not gone according to plan at least you're gonna look ripped like hulk hogan so, oh yeah uh, brother yeah, exactly so yeah i've been uh that's all i've been doing with the week to be honest with you mate but um yeah i suppose we should uh crack on with the show if uh if you guys are all right with that let's hmm. get the train rolling all right very good well in that case um barnaby do you want to tell us what's been going on in the news this week? Yeah, it's been a relatively quiet week, but that doesn't mean there hasn't been the stories making the rounds. And on the subject mm-hmm. of COVID and COVID conspiracy theories, uh, one Godsma- uh, Godsmack's Sully Erna is still peddling coronavirus conspiracy theories. And I'm going to get some shit for this because I was wearing a Godsmack t-shirt a couple of episodes ago. One, one, oh, one of Godsmack's, uh, Sully. Like, you don't know who the fuck he is. You were wearing a t-shirt of his band last week, you fucking... I will defend their music. I will not defend this, and I'm making that very clear right now. <laughs> but mm. anyways, I digress. Um, so he believes that COVID-19 is not a global killer, and then a lot of it is quite politically motivated. And what? that has been pretty much the basis of that. Right. So does, is he basically suggesting that, I don't know, one of Donald Trump's policies has killed more than like COVID? 
presumably is that like the path he's chosen to gone down or is he yeah, not really explicitly well, said i wouldn't say it's a strictly that as such however that has as i said this is not the first time he has peddled con- coronavirus conspiracy theories and this past <clears> july <throat> so july 2020 um he said that fucking liars were holding on to the vaccine until after biden was elected and he is saying like oh it's politically driven they're gonna hold on to the vaccine until after biden's elected Republicans this, yada, yada, yada. The usual, like, typical coronavirus conspiracy peddling bullshit. Mm, Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, he's the singer for Godsmack, so it comes at no surprise that, you know, he's stirring up these fucking crazy conspiracy theories about, you know, I don't don't trust anything. um, Anybody that's best friends with Chris Angel, I don't trust. Um, let's put it that way. <laughs> I'll still, I'll still defend Godsmack's, Godsmack's music, but this I will, this I will not defend. Uh, they can get in the bin. It's like before I was saying um, when all of this, obviously, remember, like cast your minds back to like a year ago before, like you know, we were in a pa- pandemic. Um, only just a year ago, mind, because we are coming up to twelve months since all of this, which is crazy. But uh, cast your mind back like when everything was relatively normal and you would kind of, you name it, work colleagues, uh, acquaintances, people that you would, you know, think that were relatively sensible people and normal people. And then all of a sudden it takes a pandemic to really bring out the fucking true craziness in them. Like they then start to voice their true opinions and how they feel about you know, like COVID and, and the ways in which that it all should be running and what have you. But like, it just thinks like, well, that's a person there that I thought was a relatively normal human being. And then like, now all of a sudden here they are like voicing their opinions about how we're all being microchipped and like, this is all a massive hoax and, you know, you shouldn't be afraid to go outside, blah, blah, blah. It's like, I feel that a lot of people in the um, music circles, like musicians and, and what have you, like it's not just like Sully from Godsmack. I mean, you name it. I think um, what's his face is in the headlines this week. The singer from Stone Roses, Ian. Oh, I can't remember his surname, but yeah, I did hear yeah. about that. Yeah. Ian Brown. Yeah, Ian yeah, Brown. Yeah, that's him. That's him. He uh, he recently pulled out of a summer festival because he didn't like the idea of him having to show proof of being vaccinated before he could play a festival. Uh, it's just like, okay. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, I, just, I, I just don't understand the logic. I mean, okay, that's fine. I just like in a, in a position, I don't know if you guys feel the same, like where you just sort of take a back seat now and you just kind of see the way people behave. And for me, I just think, well, there's no point in arguing with these kind of people because you can't argue with stupid, you know, is the problem. Yeah, I've gotten a bit of backlash agree. off of people because I just, as soon as I got the text message from the NHS said, oh, you can get your COVID jab. I was like, oh, right, fucking on. Went, hopped onto their website there and then and booked yeah. my appointment. My appointment was like 12 hours after that, you know. And everyone's like, oh, you didn't look into it. You don't know what they're putting into you. I don't know what they're putting into me when I'm passed out because I've broken my leg or anything. Oh, well, you don't know what the effects can be. I'm like, well, you just got to <laughs> get it done and trust that they're not trying to kill the whole nation, you know? I'm going to trust yeah. something that's come from backing from Oxford University yeah. more than yeah. like Dave, Dave the dodgy cat dealer down the road. That's it. You're you're a bootlicker. Like apparently, I'm a bootlicker because I want to take a vaccine to stop the spread of this murderous virus, instead of being some cracked out conspiracy theorist with zero education, who's more smart than someone who mm. went who went to college, got grade A's, went to university for seven years, but some cracked out paranoid dude in a fucking shitty flat with yeah. no, no carpet knows better than them yeah. because he watched a youtube video you know i mean well, if, um, exactly if i want to be if i want to if um i want to meet up with my friends and drink lily cider in the park without risking killing someone's grand like your your parents uh steven or your parents christoph yeah. then call me a fucking bootlicker i mean yeah this is it like from my standpoint it's like i've gone long enough without fields i've gone long enough without alcohol and shouting at my friends and being deafened and waking up feeling like shit in the morning and, and being passed a warm cider and, like and chicken wing basketball yeah dude i need all of these things oh, yeah. in my life I'm sure it's nice 
it's nice to know that you're not killing your neighbor, but it's nicer to know that you're waking up by throwing watermelon at them. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's we might, we might have to tell the viewers about that story. Yeah. The story of 2018 Bloodstock and the watermelon fight in our camp. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of, I don't, I can't even, it might have been on another podcast, but like, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's the, it's the usual shenanigans you get that, you know, that come along with festivals, really. You know, you get drunk, you find fruit, you throw it on each other. I mean, I think that's... Uh, Smash a fucking moral... watermelon against your own crotch. Well, yeah, there was a lot of, uh, <laughs> of uh, pelvis pumping. Uh, pelvis <laughs> pumping watermelon. Uh, yeah, good times. Good times. I mean, um, there were very good times. And just one more thing off the back of that as well is the fact that the irony is, is that the these idiots that are saying that they feel like their freedom is being taken or taken away from them because they're being forced to take a vaccine that they don't want. But when you consider like, OK, so let's put that into perspective. You think your freedoms are being taken away from you because you're being given something that allows you to be free. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you do, do they not see like, you know, the logic there? It's like, well realistically if you want to go back to normality and you want to do the things that you used to be able to do this vaccine is going to allow you to do that and uh and that's that i mean that's end of argument i don't really i don't really see why there's this skepticism but people like ian brown oh, well. i feel feel oppressed because they're making me do a swab test like they're not taking your blood to check it they're not doing any of that you just lick a stick put it in a thing and it says positive or negative it's not ruining yeah. your life do you all they want to know is do you have a deadly virus or not like and people exactly. are, well i shouldn't have to tell anyone I'm like, it's like saying like what is wrong with you like, do you feel oppressed when they have to put a finger in your ass to check if you've got prostate cancer you're fine with that but they put a swab in your mouth and then, oh no 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 that's a big no-no for me it's like well go fuck off then man i honestly i just don't have time for those people um yeah. What else have you got on the news, Barnaby? I'll bring up something <laughs> a little bit more. Um, I'll bring up something a little bit more positive, shall we? And this is on the back oh. of our review of the new Architects record that we did last week. And uh, ah. I just wanted to say, I just want to say congratulations to Sam Carter and Co. as they have secured their first number one spot in the charts and the UK charts, should I say? Why aren't you clapping then, you cunt? For fuck's sake, Barney. <laughs> oh, dear. Because <laughs> I was the one that's announced it. Already yeah, that doesn't mean that you can't join in the celebrations. <laughs> well done, Architects. It's very good. <laughs> now, that is that is an awesome achievement, to be fair. I mean, um, I think it was bound to happen, to be perfectly honest. Um, because uh, I, I, I've been listening to that new record's on loop really have you had a chance to check that out at all christoph the uh the new architects records yeah i listened to it after listening into the podcast on sunday yeah what did you rank yeah. it yeah it was pretty fucking banging i don't think i finished it because i don't remember mm. listening to the big epic acoustic song you guys had spoken about so i don't think i finished it by the end yeah. of my bike ride but yeah I've yeah that's Yes, it's a, it's definitely a, gr a grower, as we were saying last week. You know, it, it's not like, it's not immediate. I, I think that fair play to them for uh, clearly they, they've cultivated such a massive like audience, not just in this country but around the world. I, I think like even in Australia they they went like number two or number three or something. So yeah, they did. You know, they're they're clearly getting the recognition that they do deserve uh, off the back of it. So. Uh, yeah, fair play to them. And, you know, yeah, absolutely. Super, Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, anything else in the news, Barnaby? I'm going to touch on this very briefly, as I've covered this quite a fair bit in uh, previous episodes with uh, venue and um, stadium openings in the stateside. And right. Texas and Texas and Mississippi to allow full concerts with no mask restrictions later this month. So in other words, we're going to have a Texas and a Mississippi variant of COVID coming into the UK. <laughs> Mark my words. I, I kid you not. Do you reckon, do you reckon it's going to be uh, the Heinz barbecue baked beans version of COVID and it's going to be uh, going to have like a smoky <laughs> effect? 
Yeehaw um, 19, and it makes you want to fuck your sister. <laughs> Yeehaw 19! Yeah. Uh, so in other words, Milky's probably going to catch it. Oh, Milky's going to be the catalyst of the whole thing. <laughs> Actually, yeah, if I can get I'm serious, amazed, like, I don't yeah, quite understand how they're allowing things to open up, whereas if there is if other... Oh, fucking hell, I'm so tongue-tied today. I don't see how bringing in these laws makes sense if other states in the country will still have stricter laws, because then doing nationwide tours for bands in America won't make any sense if they can only go to certain states. It's not just that as well. Like, a lot of people in, in England, like, we see driving four hours to get to a gig is, like, a big thing. In America, they're like, nah. And they'll probably... The thing is, people are going to cross states because, even more so, because you've got the opportunity to go to a fucking gig. Yeah, exactly. Like, hell yeah, you know, oh, it's a five-hour drive. Well, fuck it, we'll drive up in the morning, drive back the next day. Yeah, and you have to cross some state lines depending on where you're going. Yeah. Plus, like, Texas is fucking massive as well. It's a massive state, so... You could potentially have like a band that just tour around the state of Texas and different little, uh, different little areas. I mean, potentially, you know? we'll see. We'll see um, how it goes. Yeah, well, obviously, we, 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 you know, we're not an American podcast, so we don't know. We're not quite in. Um, we're, we're not quite in tune with obviously the severity of it over there, like or the severity of the state of Texas. So, you know, if they feel that they're in a position now to kind of reopen start reopening then uh yeah fair play to them but i just hope that it doesn't kind of you know end up being a catastrophe <laughs> um, you know? we'll have to just we'll have to just wait and see uh, and take it from there i guess mm, indeedy all right cool anything else on the news or is that it for the week uh that's all i have unless you gentlemen have got anything to bring up no, no, all good for me. Cool. Well, in that case, I suppose we should do a couple of reviews. So, yes. Do we have any preference? Do we want to get? Do we want to get it out of the way first? Uh, kind yeah, of if you guys, if you guys want to as well, that's what <laughs> I think. Okay. <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> I think we kind of we we kind of need to uh, kind of need to get rid of this because uh, fuck me. Even just sort of having the name and my uh, on my computer here is kind of stressing me out. Right, <laughs> so um, we're going to be talking about the brand new record from a band called A Day to Remember. Now, um, make no mistake. I mean, I, I pride myself on being a miserable cunt. You know, I I get a kick of being on the outside looking in when it comes to things that are like considered popular. That's not just with music. I mean, um, av avocado. What the fuck's that all about? I don't know. <laughs> it's popular. Oh, and it, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, and I kind of feel that this is very much the kind of music equivalent of avocado. <laughs> I don't know because um, I like a good avocado. I am a proud avocado wanker, but I'm not a fan of this. Uh, yeah well again i think you're you're a unique breed of person Chris. but it's like this is probably um, like the avocado that was in the bottom of the shelf and just got left to run it's got more <laughs> than piss and flies all over it and someone shat on it for extra flavor <laughs> fucking hell barney um yeah all right so uh we're going to be talking about a day to remember with their seventh studio album um rather obnoxiously named you're welcome is the uh, the new album so i'll ask a question either of your fans have a day to remember no no no, no shaking can't... your heads they have like one or two okay songs and uh i've no i know that jeremy mckinnon has done some guest vocal spots on other bands work so he did a track uh, i think it was called ghosts with august burns red which i did quite like but i feel right. like as a whole day to remember not for me mm. okay um yeah, see, I, I'm I'm very much in uh, the same vein as you two. I mean, I didn't mind their 2009 record, Homesick, which for all intents and purposes was just a middle-of-the-road emo-esque metalcore album that had uh, some popular mosh calls on it. You know, you, you had the obviously the um, 
was it disrespect your surroundings? Oh, Mr. Highway's thinking of the end. Oh, the one that's yeah. a whole lot of memes and vines and all that jazz. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of like become like a staple in terms of the band's discography, you know. But since then, it's, it's like <laughs> it's like a day to remember have become this band that are threatening to become bigger than the fucking Beatles. You know, and I'm not, I'm, honestly, I, I, I'm not making any fucking, I'm not over-exaggerating that. Like, people fucking love this band. And, like, I I just stand, I mean, I, I, I've seen, I've been to many festivals where they've kind of had quite highly billed slots, like at Download, they've had, like, third from the top fucking slots before. And just, like, looking around, and I, and I just, honestly, I don't understand where the popularity comes from I, I don't know if it's just me i mean obviously you guys have have said that you don't like them but can you understand why they're so popular not really both shaking your heads again no i can't understand why bands like fallout boy are so popular you know True, i feel like sometimes i feel like bands like fallout boy and a day to remember it's like a handful of people, you know, when you're in school and everyone's like, this band are the best band ever. So no one questions yeah. it. And all of a sudden, oh, like this band are total shit. Like everyone used to be funeral for a friend of shit. Well, why? Because they're shit. Like, yeah. They're really good. And yeah. like bands like a day to remember. It's like everyone hypes them up. I'm like, do you just, bl- yeah, do you just blindly follow this idea that yeah. these and bands are something that they're not? Cause... Yeah, and it's like with some yeah. bands, you can see how they're popular. Like, I can see how Five Figure Death Punch are extremely popular, but I can't yeah. see why this band has the same amount of attention as Five Finger Death Punch. If not more, to be honest, mate. I mean, yeah. this band are absolutely fucking massive. And, um, you yeah, know, it's, it's <laughs> you go to any rock club as well. You know, remember when rock clubs were a thing and you used to go oh, yeah. to, you know. I remember those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, remember. yeah, you go to any rock club, yeah, and they play the downfall of us all, right? And it's like Freddie Mercury has pulled his cock out at Live Aid. And I'm, I'm like, I'm just bewildered when I look around because there's fucking people losing their shit. And I'm just... I, I'm just bewildered, man. I really can't. waiting for them to play Rollin' by Limp Biscuit so the good, people with good taste can lose their shit. Yeah, well, it's, it's like it's it's like when Sorry You're Not a Winner comes on in the same um, environment. You know, <laughs> same thing happens. Everyone just goes fucking crazy. It's like, hey guys, we can all clap together in a minute. That's a bit fun, isn't it? You know, <laughs> it's like fuck me. Is is that really what like the future holds? Um, I mean. Is every like rock club in future? It's just gonna have some guy with a microphone that has like prolapsed vaginas for earlobes, like singing. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. It's like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good night out. Let's go do that. If you're angry and you know it, stomp your feet. Stomp your feet. Um, anyways, a day oh, to remember. Yeah. So, uh, just a band that I've never understood the popularity that surrounds them. Um, and so, really, I wasn't looking forward to listening to this record. That there's never been a record that I've vibed with. As I said, like 2009, Homesick had a couple of moments, which is okay, but it was nothing that was, you know, special or nothing that really set them aside from any any other bands that were doing the the same fucking stuff you know um so it may come as a surprise but this really did exceed my expectations in terms of how bad it is <laughs> oh yeah i agree 100 percent. just fucking boring dross so i mean what what did what, what did you think first off barney when you when you first listened to uh, a day to remember's new right album? let me start my five minute rant on why this is the downfall of music as we know it Hey, that's a bit of a pun. Downfall of us all. All right, it started off sort of okay with Brickwall. I was like, okay, this isn't terrible. It's not really anything I would call extraordinary, but it had a catchy riff, and I was like, okay, this is all right. Jeremy McKinnon's vocals are shining through, and I could see that they're definitely going towards a more sort of radio-esque, you know, Radio 1 vibe with their sound. And then we got to a track called Bloodsucker, where everything went down the fucking drain. 
I swear mm. to fucking God, Rivers Cuomo must have been involved with writing it. So either that or fucking Adam Levine from uh, Maroon 5. It was just radio dross. It sucked. It was lame. It had no fucking punch to it at all. It was... I can't begin to fathom how terrible that track was. Mm. And it would just I mean, continue to be... Um, oh, sorry, mate. No, no, you uh, wouldn't say that, but what are you saying? Sorry, I cut you off. And then it just continues to go on and on, and there's only really brief highlights of, like, the pre-breakdown call and Last Chance to Dance, Bad Friend was okay, Resentment was okay, and then mm. it just all went down the drain again when we got to Viva La Mexico, which sounds like the soundtrack for college frat boys to go to Cancun on their spring break and catch chlamydia. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like an old El Paso advert for chlamydia fucking patients. But um, yeah, yeah, that's my that's my uh, thoughts on the album. I'm guessing you guys pretty much thought the same as me. Well, yeah. I, was, I was about to. Say, I mean, Christoph, presumably you're. Uh, I don't know. I I feel that you you've kind of. I don't know if you've got a bit more of like an open mind towards this kind of stuff, or not, or is this more I or less. Mean... I'm a fan of bands doing something a bit different. Like, I love it when they jump out of their comfort zone. And, and sure, sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss. But like, I feel like these guys have done what kind of like Green Day sort of did, where they went from like, oh, we're going to evolve our sound, we're going to evolve us. Now our new key demographic is 14-year-old girls. Yeah. You know? like, yeah. Like, it wasn't just that they tried something and missed it just sounded horribly i want to say pansy-ish but i guess it's just it's weak very watered of, down um... drab it was almost it was basically that weezer album on really bad steroids <laughs> like yeah yeah it was just you know the whole content there was no aggression like i know they're not the most aggressive band ever but it was just so yeah. far from anything they've like, I, I don't really like them so i came into it, i was like oh you've got a different sound okay maybe i'll like it and like somehow it made me like them less it was basically angry sad upset maroon five yeah i wouldn't even say it's as good as that mate um i mean i'll give you a brick wall because that's got a nice chunky riff that i i kind of i refuse to let this album lead me into a false sense of security because I kind of feel that, all right, well, let's let's sign of let's get him in with like a chunky, chunkier, cash song that's got like a it's got a really good riff to it. But from that point, it does just step off a cliff. Um, I mean, you, you know, you guys have already said Bloodsucker, Mind Reader, about as creative as a fart. And again, it's uh, it's just so uninspiring. I mean, there's a song called High Diving, which I think that the main hook of that is. It's hard to practice what you preach when life is a beach. And it's like, Ooh, fucking genius. Rating, That's PG fucking rating. genius. Look yeah. at us. We, we were going to do a swear word, but we decided not to. Look how great we are. Fuck off. Yeah. And like the overwhelming theme throughout the album that I hear is that lead singer Jeremy McKinnon really has done a good job at giving you the audio equivalent of him smashing his right arm up the rectum of Patrick Stump and working his mouth as a puppet. Because it just sounds like, I mean, Christoph mentioned Fallout Boy. Like, I would take Fallout Boy over this a billion times because, as like as much shit as Fallout Fallout Boy get, and you know, it should rightfully get a lot of shit with the dross that they've been releasing. But I mean, but at least they've actually got a bit of character about them, and they've got a yeah. bit of. Uh, <laughs> there's a reason why Fallout Boy are massive as well, is because they do appeal to that kind of really mainstream radio rock audience. Uh, you know, the, the the kind of audience that go to a Reading Festival or like a, a Leeds Festival. They're, they just um, they just obviously have that massive appeal. But with a day to remember, it, it's clearly just like a metalcore band that are trying to distance themselves as far away as they can from it so they can kind of get that audience that a Fallout Boy gets or a Panic at a Disco gets, you know, it's just... It's just fucking absolute drizzle. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that regardless of our very small podcast opinions about this, the album will be treated like it's a master of puppets or a fear inoculum. You know, it will be absolutely welcomed. Uh, from, you I, know, yeah, I, uh... saw, 
I saw someone post on a group that I'm following on Facebook. It might have even been download, and there was just everyone blowing smoke up this album's ass. Yeah, and they're like they've taken they us they in a will. different direction, and it's incredible. I'm like, it's it's it's, it's not shit. like it's shit. I'm sorry, they've it's not, shit. yeah, they've taken a step away from the middle of the road to make it just like this very narrow lane, you know. Like, and now they've gone mm-hmm. fucking stuck in the mud. I feel like yeah. it would go down amazingly at Glastonbury with a bunch of cunts using their fucking rose gold iPhones for torches and flame effects. Yeah, the ones who pretend yeah. like, they're like, Ooh, look at us going to a festival. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw a day to remember and they were so savage. All their acoustic yeah. guitars have slight slight distortion. Fuck off. They were so they were so good, right? I got my mate's forehead sweat on my top jeans trousers. Top jeans, top shop trousers. Yeah, I fucked that right up. You get the fucking point, though, anyway. You get the fucking it's point. Like, it's um, like, put that shit down, go listen to Machine Head and stop being a bitch. Yeah, well, it's just not even like Machine Head. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to give like them that pleasure, you know? I mean, fuck anyone that enjoys this kind of music... Fuck me! I mean, I don't even know where you would go. Where you would go to? <laughs> Honestly, I would <laughs> to much rather help. listen to. I'd much rather listen to Nickelback. Nickelback is heavier than this. Yeah, I mean, Nickelback. I've got some songs, man. Like this is just like, this is fucking atrocious. Yeah. But Chad, Chad Kroger yeah, can so, actually you know, play I'm... guitar. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I'm it. glad. Uh, I'm glad that you know a day to remember fans that you enjoy it. Uh, you know, yours sincerely. A bunch of miserable cunts, apparently. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, anything else to say on a day to remember before we move on? No, it's a day I wish I didn't have to fucking remember, that's for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're going to have to see how this compares Episode with... Um... <laughs> We're going to have to see how this compares with Escape the Fate's new record, which will be coming out in April, which we will also be reviewing much to our displeasure. So we'll see which one is going to turn out to be the biggest uh, pile of steaming dog shit out of the two. Stay tuned, viewers. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, in that case, moving on to our next record that we're going to be looking at. Uh, it comes from a band called Chevelle with their ninth studio album, who are a uh, alternative rock duo. Um, two brothers, from what I understand. So, either of you two have previous with Chevelle. I have a little bit of experience with Chevelle. They've had some decent songs. I remember listening to them back when they were a three-piece. And uh, Hats to the Bull is a good tune. And I really can't not pay attention to a band which was named after a really cool car from the 1960s and 70s. Mm. Yeah, Chevrolet, right? Yeah, Chevelle SS. Uh, one of my favorite muscle cars of all time. But we're not we're not a car podcast. <laughs> Fuck's sake, I'm getting sidetracked right. now. Indeed. What about you, Christoph? Were you familiar with them? Yeah, I dig Chevelle. What was the album that had red on it? What comes next? Whatever's next? Uh, yes. That's really yeah. That's right. Yeah, I found them around that era, era and they were great. Yeah, they're, they're a really good band. Um, you see, with this band in particular, I've um, I've always kind of known them because of the amount of comparisons that they always get thrown at them uh between a little band called tool i mean uh i think that the band have kind of addressed this thing throughout their career um not only on a musical front but i think even one of the band's music videos has a very tool-esque aesthetic from what i understand it's um a song of theirs called maya which had like this claymation doll throughout the video similar to like uh sober or prison sex um so the band kind of had this um this kind of tool cloud over them for for quite uh quite some time this is this is kind of the first album that i've gone in on from beginning to end by them uh sorry i probably didn't say this at the start that the album uh is called niratius am i pronouncing that right niratius i'd I'd say so yeah i'm not exactly 100 sure myself but it sounds right. right yeah this being the first album that i've gone in on from beginning to end I gotta say, I fuck. I was really fucking impressed with it. The tool comparison is very inescapable at times, um, especially from the vocals from Pete Lefolier. Again, sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly. He does adopt a style that's very uniquely Maynard James Keenan, but 
I think the key thing that does separate this from Tool is that there is a lot. It's a lot more immediate uh, in terms of the, the 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 musical front. Anyway, the riffs definitely take a driving seat. Whereas with Tool, any member of the band could be driving at any given time during the same song. So this is like a very guitar focused album. That being said, like the they are a, a duo, so. I don't know if that's like the rationale for it. But Christoph, I'll start with you. What did you think going into Chevelle's ninth album? I fucking dug it. Like when I listened to the single they released, because they only released it yesterday, didn't they? Mm-hmm. I listened, yeah. So I listened to the single yep. on Thursday, hoping that the album was out. Um, and it was very incubacy. I think like listening yeah. to that one single on its own, which was weird because normally they're a bit more heavy, less psychedelic. Yes. And then, yeah, got into the album and was kind of like, nope, do you know what? I take back what I said. It's absolutely fucking amazing. And like that intro, the instrumental tune. It's just. Uh, the Verruktuk, I think it's called. Mesmerizing <laughs> sounds and just heavy and wavery and really stony and i fucking absolutely loved it um, yeah then, like so long mother earth that was another tune that i was completely yes. taken by and yeah it was just it was one of those albums that like once it finished it's like oh it's oh it's over now even though it's like 50 minutes long 50 nearly 51 minutes long you kind of mm. get to the end and you're like some Fly albums by. are like oh my god it's that felt like a lifetime whereas this you're like oh is that it like all right it's 51 minutes it's nearly an hour long album and actually i could happily restart it now and endlessly was that that one of their last tunes was just such an epic tune yeah and the way they phased the album out as well like i gotta give them credit for like those little notes you know some albums like end abruptly but the way they like calmed it all down after building it up in the first tune calmed it mm. down so you see like ah oh, yeah this is it was perfect it was really well put together and i was I quite surprised i never i've I've always listened to them but i've never like delved into their background so when i found out it was just two mm. guys i was like oh fuck that was yeah quite amazing Being, they, they they cultivate such a huge sound for two blokes is mad um what about you barnaby were you into this I think I have pretty much exactly what Christoph had to say. I mean, there's tracks like yeah. Mars Simula, Self-Destructor, Peach. They were just absolutely amazing. And I felt like I've been sleeping a little bit on this band, to be honest. Like, there are songs that I listened to in yeah, the past, like too. Hats Off to the Bull, Face to the Floor, and they were like really, really good rock, uh, good, good hard rock tunes. I feel like this has just taken a whole different approach where it's gone for that sort of like very eerie, atmospheric kind of vibe. And it's one, mm-hmm. again, for two guys, they've nailed it. I really dug this. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's, um, I always love it when like you kind of come across like this, a band that have got such a huge discography and then you realize that, that you've put it correctly there, just like sleeping on a band, you know, it's like you just all of a sudden come across like, like Chevelle and, and I was, I was blown away by like how, not just how many albums they had prior to this, uh, but the fact that they were so, consistent and so you know just as good as they were for a two-piece it's got like this album in particular going back to um Neuritius. i really do open pronouncing that right christoph mentioned that obviously track one opens with an instrumental again i believe the song is called Viriktuk. uh Viriktuk. uh anyways i get like a real like metallica load reload vibe from it it's got like the, the in terms of the guitar and the sound of it it's just got that like really crunchy Kirk Hammett style tone to it that the Load and Reload albums had. So Long Mother Earth, it's, it's, it's again got those inescapable Maynard-esque vocals. And when they come in the first time, you know, it, it's kind of, it is easy to make the comparison, but I feel that the more that you listen to it, I mean, you, you know, obviously that the guy is obviously he's got a very similar voice, but he is doing different things to to what Maynard does. It's not like an exact replica of you know of, of Maynard James Keenan, but I think just the his voice against that I'm going to call it I'm calling it a Kit Kat guitar tone. 
right? Which is basically like a crunchy and chunky fucking glorious sound, right? It's just a, it's the perfect meld, his voice against those guitars. And uh, yeah, I, I just really enjoy this album. Um, I think this is a this is a great alternative to a tool because as incredible a band tool are they are sometimes it, it can be a bit overwhelming to dive into a ten thousand days or a lateralis because they're just these massive expansive complex albums uh, that are each like at least like over an hour and 10 minutes long whereas if you're looking for like a condensed version of it this band is the band to point towards i think really it's just that they do similar tricks that tool do but they put their own spin on it and they've got a lot more of a harder edge and uh yeah i i really can't uh praise this album enough to be honest with you you know it was just uh it was just a lovely surprise to come across a band that i was familiar with but not really ever delved into them and obviously delving into them and realizing oh wait they are fucking awesome yeah it was just a really really cool thing to uh to discover do you guys have anything else to add to chevelle's album or are you quite all satisfied with uh, i think i'd like to say that i think i've always listened to them i've always been a fan but i've always like just thrown on a playlist of theirs or chucked it on it's very easy nowadays with like spotify to throw everything onto random so you get a feel for their tunes and they're good and end up liking like the heavier songs I think they're a band who are well worth listening to an album front to back because you listen yeah. to songs individually and you get one image of them and then you listen to the, like this album on its own and like front to back and it's completely different to just yeah. taking one tune here and taking one tune there. And with the whole t- tool thing, like Chevelle just get right into it. You know, yeah. there's not like a minute and a half where you have like a beat every 10 seconds sort of thing. Like yeah. they just straight to it yeah fucking ripper of an album 100 percent. what about you barney are you all satisfied with that one there bud yeah christoph's taking the words right out of my mouth um <laughs> for our listeners go listen to chevelle they did a really good job on this 100 uh so again that was chevelle with their ninth studio record niratius on epic records it is out now okay uh moving on to the uh last record that we're going to be reviewing we're going to be talking about a band called demon hunter uh with their 11th studio record songs of death and resurrection on solid state records demon hunter from what i understand a a seattle-based band i understand a christian metal band as well which uh i was uh surprised to read but um not a band that I was familiar with. I'll be honest with you, Barnaby. What about you, Christoph? Did you have any previous with this band, or is this a, like a no? First this time was yeah, it? yeah. This was the first time for me. So yeah, uh, fair play. Yeah. What about what's your relationship with the band then, Barnaby? I mean, how long have you known about them? I've known about them since the be- end of 2019 when I discovered their double album War and Peace, and I listened to right. them quite religiously through 2020. I found the material, despite me not being Christian in the slightest, I really vibed with their music. There's a lot of really sick production, riffs, the guitarists are amazing. I, mm. I'd i say I'm a fan of Demon Hunter. Okay, cool. So, this is a bit of a different record from what I understand, because this is just a, this is a, a fully acoustic album. Yes. Um, so basically, it's a series of songs from their back catalogue and reimagined as a clean, unplugged or acoustic covers, let's say. There's only one song which is a new, completely new song, and that is track four, which is Praise the Void. Right, okay. So these are... Oh, I see, right. So these are obviously the songs that were previously in other albums that they've just done yes. alternative versions of acoustic. Yes. Oh, right, I see. Okay, cool. Oh, that makes a bit more sense. Um, okay, brilliant. Uh, well, in that case, um, what did you think of the record then, Barnaby, in these uh, these reworks of, of songs? Yeah, well, um, let me see where I can start. I thought that, all in all, the tracks were really amazing. And I think Demon Hunter is one of those bands which can get away with doing something like this, where the material, they've got some really heavy songs, not going to lie. But then they've got mm-hmm. songs which are heavy enough to keep your attention, but it could also be considered as quite clean in a way, with their use of uh, Ryan Clark's clean vocals and how he really has this great yeah. clean singing sound. So I feel like this is a yeah. band that could definitely get away with doing something like this. And for the most part, with the arrangements that they did for songs, they pulled it off. 
Like if you take, for instance, <clears throat> a um, the um, track ten, which is the um, resurrected version of "Carry Me Down," it works perfectly with the arrangements, and also "Deteriorate," uh, "I'm a Stone," uh, "Dead Flowers," "Heart of a Graveyard." They were all tracks which mm-hmm. worked perfectly as being resurrected, let's say. And I feel like yeah. with the arrangements and use of um, like string quartets, cello, piano, acoustic guitar, as well as uh, bass and drums in the background, just to keep things simple. Mm-hmm. This was a record I ended up really thoroughly enjoying, and I'm glad that, that I'm glad that they did this. It's keep us tidied okay. up until their actual like proper new material. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would agree with that, Christoph. What about you? I mean, going into this, uh, did you vibe with it much? Yeah, Joe. I really, really liked it. So I listened to it a couple of days ago, um, just on its own, front to back. And I loved it. Mm. I couldn't escape feeling that it had like quite early hymn vibes, you know, like yes. that dark brooding sort of heavy acoustic, mm. really slowly played. Everything's quite drawn out, but in a really nice way. Like Dead yeah. Flowers and Loneliness were just so, so nice. Yeah. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised when I found out that they weren't European. So I think Ryan's voice, when I got the whole sort of hymn vibe into my head, and they sound quite similar to like Plan 3, if you've ever heard of them. Um, yeah, yeah. And they, yeah. You know, they're just like, his vocal style was really similar. So I was surprised when I found out he wasn't in any way European, Eastern European. And I love things like this where like, you can tell that these people are true artists, like and real masters of their work. Because I went through last night and listened to all of the tracks one by one and listened to the new album on my phone and then YouTube the original tracks. So listen to one pause and went through like that. Cause I hadn't heard of them previously and it would be a mm-hmm. fucking nightmare to try and find the songs otherwise and listen to all of their music and pick it out. And to see bands like take their own work and just masterfully re-image it like that. It's mm-hmm. super good, man. Yeah. These guys are hella talented. Yeah, I thought that it was. I I thought it had like loads of again with like the hymn sort of thing. I kind of was like, oh, they've got these brooding love songs and these dark subjects. And then I found out that they were Christian and started listening to it the second time round and was like, oh, these aren't love songs. These are like songs of praise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I was so surprised to to read that. Like um, after I had listened to the initial album, I was like, oh, well, that makes a lot more kind of lot more kind of sense um yeah i mean i i'll be honest i mean i i I think it's purely because this is the record i've spent the least amount of time with this week in terms of um of reviews like i have kind of struggled to vibe with it as much as you guys i appreciate a lot uh like what christoph's just said i appreciate the idea and uh, in terms of reworking previous material, I mean, again, I wasn't aware of that. So it's made me definitely want to go back to the original songs now and obviously compare them against these reworkings, just so you can see the um, the difference, you know. But I thought it was it was nice. Uh, I, I got him vibes off it as well, vocally. I thought he had like a brooding vocal, like Christoph said. It was very kind of bleak in places. Yeah, I, I did. I I thought this was okay. I feel that I kind of need a bit more time with it to really appreciate it. And plus, kind of going from a day to remember to then go into this, it was like, oh fuck me, this is brutal this week. You know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, you go from listening to something really shit to something like this, which isn't. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that it's not the kind of music you want to kind of jump right into after listening to something like. Uh, a day to remember so it may may just be me that all did my uh did my reviews in the wrong wrong order this week but um yeah i've i definitely want to um get to know this record a lot more i think off the back of off the back of a few listens because um yeah fair play a band that i've not heard of before it does sound like uh you know they've got quite a quite an interesting uh back catalogue that we can dive into as well so um yeah uh anyone got anything else to add to demon hunter no i think i'm happy all right cool well uh once again that is uh the band demon hunter with their 11th studio album called songs of death and resurrection it is out now on solid state records 
Uh, and that brings us to the end of the reviews for the show this week. So that leaves us with one more thing to talk about. <laughs> so that gives us this week's Slated and Celebrated, the segment of the show where we look at records that were panned at the time, records that weren't that well received, records that caused controversy. And we just look at, look back at the records to see if they really were as bad as what they were made out to be. Now, it's an interesting one this week because... We're going to be looking at the band King 810 uh, from Flint, Michigan, with their debut record, Memoirs of a Murderer. Uh, and it's quite an interesting story with this band. I mean, were either of you two familiar with King 810 before going into this? Heard yeah. of the name, but never listened to them at all. Okay. I, again, the same as like Chevelle, I had listened to them a lot, just like scattered tracks, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, like really shuffle. enjoyed them, but yeah but then hadn't actually listened to a whole album front to back yeah okay cool uh see i i'm a fan of king 810 um i think that memoirs of a murderer was a very very misunderstood piece of work the bands essentially they come from a place <laughs> that's not very nice let's put it that way so they, they they come from a state uh in america called flint um no, uh, Flint's the city in Michigan. No, no, no. Uh, Flint's the city the and it's Michigan, the state. Sorry, I'm a fucking idiot. That's my uh, my brain. It's not woken up yet. Uh, so they hail from uh, the state of Michigan um, in, in a city called Flint, which, I mean, <laughs> you can Google this, but Flint is quite a well-known place for poverty and, um, and crime. And um, it's, not, it's just a very, very difficult place to live and a place to grow up in and uh the whole idea of king 810 is is essentially about expressing how difficult it is to live in this in this city basically uh where crime rates are skyrocketing i think that the in terms of the population they they triple the amount of police force that they have um it's just a it's 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 a very kind of poverty stricken place to live so you listen to memoirs of a murderer david gunn lead singer he's got a very from a vocal as well as lyric uh, approach he's got a very kind of um on the nose if you like way of of lyrics in, in in the way in the way that he sings in the way that he writes he's got a very unique kind of uh husky voice but his lyrics they're very kind of on the nose you know it's like uh very driven by guns and um basically his experiences of living in flint barney i'll let you kick off so when you went into the record what did you think it's a fucking savage animal, I'll tell you that, and I really, really dug it. Yeah. So it's like, it started, yeah. So it started off with like kill them all, and it's straight, and you can hear the sort of anger and desperation and frustration in David Gunn's voice, where it's like I've literally had to fight my way through every single day in this fucking shithole. You know, like worried yeah. about getting jumped and shot and mugged in the street, and just like defending himself. And particularly, um, the track I found that slapped the hardest was "Fat Around the Heart." And also, Anatomy, one, two. Holy shit, I never thought a spoken word uh, poem could be that fucking brutal and angry. That It took my breath away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that we'll we'll get onto soon, the, uh, the, the kind of spoken word bits. But, uh, Christoph, what did you reckon, uh, first impressions, when you, when you listened to Memoirs of a Murderer? It's like a full double fisted punch to the face you know it's just it's just <laughs> yeah, savage really he doesn't it. try and use metaphors to like glorify anything or even make them darker you know it's just like this is how fucking brutal life is this is how yeah. brutal my sound is and i eyes and like barney said fat of the neck or fat of the heart sorry um and like war outside it just fat of the neck the stompers yeah uh, yeah like, as well. the way that they can go from poetry to acoustic stuff that has more of like a rap style delivery 
to just his bone crushing depravitous real life filth i think my yeah. only gripe with it is like being the first time i've listened to a whole king 810 album after a while you do kind of like the subject matter is very samey i know that it's not yeah. supposed to be pretty i understand that it's quite cathartic and it's obviously an ode to all the people yeah. who's been around who have died but i think uh yeah after a while as gnarly as it is it's sort of like a one-trick pony of an album like yeah because uh this make no mistake i mean this was a lot of the um when this album landed i mean this they signed to roadrunner records so this band were basically being pushed as the next slipknot believe it or not. i mean this was released back in 2014 and uh on the build-up and, and when this album was released um this band were getting uh double page features and metal hammer and they were getting uh like support slots for supporting slipknot and corn on like a world tour this band were essentially just being um being championed as like the next big thing basically uh and when when the album come along it really really divided a lot of people People didn't understand. People didn't get this. People didn't understand. Well, like, why is he constantly talking about guns? Why is he doing this? Blah blah blah. Like, people just really didn't vibe with it. They just they completely dismissed it. People thought it was a joke because I, I think when you listen to the really like the heavy songs from this album, like the popular ones, quote unquote, um, talking about kill 'em all and um, fat around the heart. Um, uh war outside so i think people would have immediately listened to those songs and just assumed that okay well that's all this band are they're just a band that sing about guns and like blah 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 heavy heavy trying to be slipknotty and like they they then didn't they, they then didn't bother without delving into the album as, as a full body of work now the problem in that is is that i i understand for me personally i mean i i didn't get uh the first song i heard biking 810 was killer more because they had the video out for it and the video is like very very graphic it's like all this cctv dash cam footage of basically chaos and flint like people getting you know into fights all sorts you know and it's uh it's a very it's a very uh, bleak video um, and it's a very bleak song as well, to be honest. But yeah, that was the first song I heard. And I was like, I don't know if, you know, his, 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 his vocals are a bit unusual. I don't know if I, I get it. Um, but I didn't really let that kind of stop me from listening to the whole album. And then when you take all of these these heavy songs and put them in the midst of like Christoph said, like you've got acoustic tracks here. There's like electro tracks, like a song like Eyes. I don't really know really how you would categorize that song. It's just so, it's like a kind of electronic ballad type song. It's um, it's just it's it's bizarre. Um, and then obviously in the midst of all of that, uh, in the midst of all of that, you've then obviously got all of these spoken word pieces, which are just these poetry bits um, that. I mean, I can't think of an album that's got like a metal a metal album that's got that that you know spoken word bits as frequently as this album does. And it, it sounds cliche, but it does really tell a story. This album from beginning to end, in terms of uh, the spoken word bits that they're they're obviously put in certain parts of this record for a reason, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I fucking I really love this album. But it just seems that despite the massive push that King 810 had from not just being on Roadrunner Records and supporting Slipknot on these massive, massive arena tours, they just divided people so much, you know? There was, like, nobody really wanted to get on the uh, the bandwagon, <laughs> so to speak. And, um, mm, yeah. and uh, <laughs> oh, you me. know, it's, it's a shame because, um, I mean... Off the back of Memoirs of Murderer, they then came out with a follow-up in 2016. So two years later, uh, an album called La Petite More or A Conversation with God, which for my money is it, it's the best King 810 album. 
it's it's yeah. fuck it off the back of this i if there's anything you guys are going to do i would suggest go into that the second king 810 album because it will blow your fucking mind yeah. um I, th- I think that'll it, be the next one for me to check out i listened to their latest one which was ak concerto number 47 11th movement yeah. in g major that was a really good record hellhounds is a killer of a song yeah is... well this is um sorry mate yeah go ahead and it is just a shame it never took off because their albums like particularly this latest one i just mentioned they're really decent records and i still feel like they need to have they really deserve a little bit more of a following than what they have currently i think yeah i mean <laughs> the problem is is that because uh, there was for a, on the build-up to their first album they were supposed to come over and play download festival and i think that they had to pull out because they got stopped at the airport for i think one of the members in the band had like an outstanding warrant for his arrest and what have you so it took a long time for king 810 to come over here i think the first time they did was supporting slipknot and i think by that point a lot of people had made their minds up about them um uh, and what's interesting now is is obviously so the band's first two rec- albums were on Roadrunner Records, uh, and then since then they have been dropped by Roadrunner, and they've essentially just self-released the rest of their albums. It's all self-produced, um, self-released, and I just find it, you know, it's mad to me that this band could have could really have been something massive in terms of popularity, but I think it was just like a a, a combination of a lot of people listening to certain songs like fat around the heart and kill em all and assuming that they were this this one but this you know this kind of narrow-minded like heavy bands and also the fact that in terms of exposure to a lot of people the fact that they had problems with touring and getting over here it, i think it did have a bit of a detrimental effect to the point where despite the push that they got where all these people have made their minds up the second album came along didn't do much for them um i think roadrunner just decided that the boat had sailed at that point and they just thought well mm. yeah sorry we we tried but it just people aren't biting um and yeah it's it's a shame because i mean for me personally i, I think the first two albums are fucking incredible the self-release records they aren't as good i mean don't get me wrong i mean a, a suicide king was the 2019 effort which was okay it had its moments um uh, A.K. Cornetto. Uh, Concerto. Concerto. Uh, okay, it's not Cornetto. A.K. Cornetto. I got a fucking ice cream for you, you little shit. Come here. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an A.K. Milky would have. Yeah, <laughs> Sounds yeah. like a fucking name of an ICP song. It does, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. We might have to, we uh, might be reviewing them on an upcoming episode of the pod. Stay tuned, listeners, if you want to hear about us reviewing Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> Do you want us to hear us? Do you want to hear us reviewing Insane Clown Posse? Is the question you should be they asking. They had to hear us for fewer um, days to remember. Yeah, well, there's, there's only the one first juggalo. Game of fate as well. There's three of us here, and one of us is a juggalo. I'm not going to say who, but you know, we'll it's definitely uh, Steven. We'll let them decide. Shadow <laughs> Clown. Uh, yeah. Well, oh, fuck. I don't give a shit. Call me whatever you want. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so going back to King 810, so I um, I, I just thought that it, they've had a very, very interesting journey, this band, in terms of being, like, very misunderstood from the get-go, and now, you know, they're, they're just a band that no nobody talks about. They don't get any kind of coverage from magazines anymore or anything like that, and I just feel that those the, the first album and the second album, they deserve your time 100%, because... If you just dive into these albums from beginning to end with a good pair of headphones, I I reassure you that you will not be disappointed. There's so many different styles of music that this band went through in terms of one minute they'd be doing savage fucking hardcore metal and next thing they'll they'll sound like uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds song. You know, it's uh, it's so varied and um, I just feel this band are very misunderstood and uh they're they're 100 worth your time uh did you guys have anything more to add to king 810 at all i've got one small caveat to add okay which is that provided everything goes well according to 
Plan, of course, they will be playing the UK this autumn with Thy Art is Murder, Malevolence, Orbit yeah. Culture, and Alpha Wolf. And I should I be going thought... to see them in London, all things considered. Oh, shit. Well, fingers crossed, mate. I, I completely forgot that they got announced as support to, um, to to that tour. Yeah, I'll be up for seeing them again. Because um, uh, the, the times I have seen King, that's a funny story, actually, because the, the first time I ever saw King 810 was at Bloodstock 2017. And uh, I remember, like, on the build to the festival, it was, oh, here we go. This is like another download situation where, like, one of the i think it was their guitar player once again was told you're not allowed to leave the country because of like an outstanding uh, like warrant for your arrest and everyone was like oh well there we go they fucked off the uk again now because like they can't get over here because of blah 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 and in the end like i think three of the members could come over here but their guitar player couldn't so they still played Bloodstock, but instead of having a guitar, they had like a laptop that played like the guitar bits. So like there was just like this laptop that was on the side of a stage where like the guitar player should be. <laughs> and like, you know, it was uh, it was very surreal, but it was still a good set um, for, all, you know, for what it's worth. I think that had they have not done that Bloodstock set, then <laughs> they would have had like, barely the amount i mean there's not a great deal of people that enjoy their music as it is anyway and i, I think that from the uk had that been the case you know they, they, like no one would be talking about them whatsoever we would uh, yeah we wouldn't be talking about them so um yeah that's king 810's memoirs of the murderer uh once again i can uh i can't recommend this album enough um all right so in that case, that is the end of Slated and Celebrated, which then signifies the end of the show. So, uh, as always, we do really, really appreciate you guys listening. And um, as per usual, don't forget to like and subscribe on all of our socials, Instagram, Facebook, uh, our YouTube. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we will be back next week with some more things. So uh, thank you very, very much again. And we shall catch you later. Goodbye for now. Peace. Ciao.